0: Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcasts. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone.
1: May Day, huh? May 1st, that's always May Day, isn't it? If you're old, no. If you're... Yeah. (laughs) That used to be kind of a big deal in our elementary schools, didn't it? Those of us, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there were May Day parades. There were the the ribbons around the Maypole. There was the... Yeah, May Baskets. All those kinds of things, yeah, Natalia, it's true, yeah, it was a big deal. Um, One hundred years ago, though, May Day took on a new meaning. Uh, there's this guy. I could go into the history of it, but that would be boring. It, he, uh, with the advent, the rise of passenger travel on ships and this and the rise of the passenger travel on airplanes, he began to get the urge to cr- to try to create a universal call of distress. If the ship was sinking, if the airplane was in trouble and might go down, he devised this thing. It's based out of a Latin word in the French that means help, I'm in trouble. It's distress. And it sounds like this, mayday, mayday, mayday. It's always repeated three times. If the ship is sinking, if the plane is going down. Mayday, mayday, mayday. You know, that's a deep, spirological. That's spirit and theological (laughs) combined.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: Whenever the Bible says something three times in a row, it means exponential. I'll I'll stop there if I could go on and on and on. So it's a universal distress, distress call. And what's the Morse code? It's a short Morse code. What are the three letters? S-O-S. S-O-S. Yes, in school when we had hot lunch, that meant something else. But (laughs) it's short for (laughs) save our souls or save our ship. It could be a, a sea ship or an air ship. SOS, save our souls. Here's the interesting thing. I told Sherry this was the title of today's message. Was it two days ago? Three days ago. Yeah. And uh, that's very unusual. Because usually don't have the title that early. (laughs) And uh, although I have several working titles. And then Victoria led Seek last night, Victoria Ramirez. And um, it was all about storm-tossed times. And then Alexandria led Seek this morning. And it was, it just fit right in. And then the songs that were sung in worship just fit right in. Now there are nautical references throughout the Bible. Many, there most, Almost all Bible references refer to not almost all many refer to either agriculture or sailing and today's references and illustrations are all about sailing now as you most of you know when i bring a message i spend a fair amount of time in the message giving you the actual bible verse citations and maybe even the context of them and today's content I'm not going to be, do that, be doing that in the interest of time. Plus, I think the message uh, is more clear from the Holy Spirit uh, otherwise. Now, I will tell you that what's being taught today is out of Psalms, Proverbs, Hebrews with a dash or maybe two or three tablespoons of Romans and Colossians and Galatians a little tiny bit of out, of, out of Isaiah. So, now, Out on the the J.C. Family Connection Facebook page, as I mentioned earlier, there's a handout. And it's available for download, absolutely free. And I don't know how many Bible citations are on it. A lot. I I don't know. Many dozen. But they're all short and easy. Mayday, it says up there. May we have the next slide, please. I see this meme frequently, right? Ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink. Why? Because of the water in them that gets in them, right? And then the meme goes on to say, don't let what's happening around you get inside you and weigh you down. Well, to me, that sounds a lot like an act of will. My own mind, I'm going to make up my mind not to let anything get inside of me that's going to weigh me down or help me sink. You agree? Sounds pretty soulish to me. Sounds a lot like the law. I'm not going to smoke, I'm not going to chew, I'm not going to run with the girls who do, <laughs> etc. I was taught early on that the ten most Important two letter words in the English language are if it is to be, it is up to me. That's a lie. That's, that's really, really bad meology. It sure isn't theology. Next slide. Here's what child of God wisdom says Ships don't sink because of the water around them ships sink because of the water that gets in them. So what I better do is become buoyant. I better float. I better not let that stuff sink me. But I don't have to do it. The Holy Spirit of God and Jesus will. Using a sailing analogy, look, when you're headed into big, big waves, what you want to do is point the bow into the waves not get sideways to them right head for them or let them head toward you and wash over you and you better keep all the dirty stuff that's in the bottom of the ship pumped out make sure that that, that the bilge the bilge area is clean and you better keep lots of lots of flotation inside so pump in the air pump in the spirit And when you have everything right, cast the anchor. And my anchor, I don't know about yours, my anchor, to the best of my ability, holds behind the veil. Right, the old hymn? Now, I grew up around rivers and lakes that are famous for trout fishing. I've never captained a ship in my entire life. But I've rowed a lot of drift boats, and I've rowed a lot of rubber rafts. So... Here's what it looks like to me. <laughs> when that water and I get crossways or I'm in trouble in the current or there's developed a hole, a leak in the rubber raft, the first thing I better do is square up that boat the right position and row like mad. Okay? I, I, and this has happened before, many times. When that water's starting to come in and that boat gets sluggish, just like my body or my mind or my spirit, when that gets sluggish and, boy, I can row until the cows come home, but it's not nearly as effective, I better find something to begin bailing water out of the boat or the raft. Anybody ever experienced something like that? You forgot to put the drain plug in? Yeah. Um, It's amazing what works. Because they, no, almost nobody has a bills or a baling bucket, but we have, oh, you name it, you know, a shoe, a hat, ice cream bucket, something, something, to do. Am I, is the is the illustration working? Okay. Um, if it's a rubber raft, I better get out the air pump. The Holy Spirit would be the analogy, and so. The sooner I can get to quiet water, the shore or the bank of the river, the better because I'm going to heave that anchor up on the bank or jump out and hold that thing, right? That, is that a pretty good analogy? Okay, so that's, that's what the child of God wisdom says. It's true. I don't sink because of the stuff around me. I sink because of the stuff that gets in me. Yeah. <laughs> and 'm a if I'm a sink it'll be into God's grace which is an ocean because if I am inundated in the ocean that is God's grace well it's heaven on earth may we all experience. Seconds, minutes, hours. Days, weeks, months, years. From this moment forward of God's grace. May we have the next slide, please. Does the Bible say that we are made in God's image? And maybe a better way to translate that same thing is to say that we are actually god's imagers we are made in his image and we are supposed to look like him be like him in the earth our doctrine our theology is that there are three unique individual persons of god father son holy spirit It's not that hard to go to read through the Bible and actually see which God is talking. The Father says things in a very unique way, and the Bible expresses, hey, this is the Father, in a very unique way. The same thing is true of Jesus, the Son. You can always tell when it's Jesus speaking. It's not that hard. And you can always tell when Holy Spirit is at work. It's just not that hard. Same thing, or not same thing, but similarly... We, uh, if you've been around church a long time, I was taught that we um, our spirit, have a soul and occupy a body. I, I'm having a hard time theologically supporting that. I actually think if I'm made in God's image, I'm probably three different persons in one with three unique attributes, char- characteristics, traits, personalities. I, I think I am a body physical person I think I am a soul person I think I have thinking and I think I have uh, emotions and I think I have a will and I believe that I'm also a spirit person I don't know how I could be anything else when the Bible clearly says that I was created and you were created before the foundations of the earth, before time began you were a God idea a poem expressed in the earth on your birthday. So in order to be God's imagers, most effectively, maybe we ought to look like our Trinitarian God. In other words, if you look at the Trinity, they're never self-serving. They're always about the other members of the Trinity. They always elevate, exalt, talk about, Minister to, try to please the other members. It's always outward focused and it's never outcome dependent. The Father is always the same toward Holy Spirit and Son. Son is always talking about the Father. Holy Spirit is always revealing Jesus. Never outcome dependent and never self directed. Just saying, if my physical body is well, and I have health, and I have peace, and I have strength, that's probably going to help my soul prosper. I do that so that my soul will prosper. My soul, if it's prospering, I might eat um a vegetable when my irresistible evening Snack instead of Reese's or ice cream. Or I might even say, you know what, body, you're okay. You've had enough calories. You're going to sleep fine and not have anything at all. That didn't happen last night. (laughs) My wife cooked a May Day, baked a homemade from scratch carrot cake. For my birthday, she does every year with homemade cream cheese icing. That sucker's gone. It didn't last past Friday night. She made it on Thursday. So apparently, the lust of the flesh did not surrender to my soul. Are you beginning to see the analogy? And if my spirit is full, wouldn't that help fuel and elevate and lift Boy, boy, up, B-O-B-U-O-Y. uh buoy, my soul. What's how? Did, how does your life change? How does your soul change? How does your spirit change when you've had three, four, five nights in a row of interrupted or bad or no sleep? It messes me up. And unfortunately, it messes up the others around me. Even if I don't intend to. Because my personality shifts. The fruit of the Spirit can go out the window. Right? Love, patience, peace. So forth, so forth. forth. Self-control, gentleness. Hmm. If my body is whole, then my soul may prosper. To be a vibrant vessel for the spirit. To do the work of my ministry. The one that God put me on earth to do. My purpose. That's a pretty powerful statement. If my soul is whole. Then I could maybe be flexible. Available and teachable. Fat. Flexible, available, teachable. I could maybe be hot. Honest, open, transparent. If I can be fat and hot. I know I'm not the latter and I pretend I'm not the former. No, seriously. If I can be flexible, available, and teachable, if I can be honest, open, and transparent in my soul, I can be discipled. I can be coached. I can actually not just believe in God, but believe God. I can live from truth. I can be open to receiving love. I spent much of my life shunning love because I don't know why. Because it made me vulnerable because I didn't think I deserved it. I'm just a big old love sponge now. (laughs) Thanks to my soul. I can receive love. I can receive healing. I can receive, I can go for and receive deliverance. I don't have to walk around anymore, hobbled by things in my past, by wounding, by unhealedness, by unforgiveness, by addiction, by. And the list goes on and on and on. I can yield to discipleship, I can select for shalom, wholeness, completeness. When in doubt, I can do this, this, or this. I think I see shalom over here because my soul is healthy enough and trained enough and free enough that I can even see where shalom exists, God's peace, God's wholeness. I can manifest fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. And I can manifest Christ-likeness if my soul prospers and if I'm flexible, available, teachable, honest, open, and transparent. And if my spirit prospers, it says in John 3, that I can actually see the kingdom of God. I can perceive it. I can sense it. And I can enter it. I can live in and live from the kingdom of God, which is which is the same term as the kingdom of heaven. Anybody want to perceive and live in and live from the kingdom of heaven? I can... I can... Well, what does that actually mean? I didn't really see that many hands come up. Well, it means this, among other things. It means that I am born anew from above. It means that my DNA has changed. It means that I'm a completely new creation. It means that I am not my past. It means that I'm altogether new. As if all that other stuff in the taillights and in the, in the rearview mirror didn't even exist. Completely forgiven, completely new, completely fresh, whiteboard erased and clean. It means that I'm a member of a new race. I'm neither Jew nor Gentile. I'm his church. That's what the Bible says. There is no more in the kingdom. There is no more Caucasian, male, female, black, Hispanic, Asian, South Asian, you name it. It's one new race. And it means I'm in an altogether new family. Altogether new connection. The Bible says that, I'm not going to use names because this is probably being recorded, but I'm looking at faces. This means that if you, or you, or you, or you, become ill, or become disabled, or whatever, that says in Corinthians, it actually affects me. And vice versa. We are that connected in the kingdom. Matthew 13, 33 talks about how the kingdom of God moves like yeast in a ball of dough. It's unseen, but the tendrils are knit us together and change the entire loaf. Can one person change an entire culture? Oh, I don't know. Just look at history. Or the Bible. Why? How? Because that's how the kingdom of God works. Like leaven in a loaf. As, As a result of a process, and it took years, I found out who I am. <laughs> who did he actually create before the foundation of the earth? Who am I in him? I I didn't know that for the first many decades of my life. I asked that question a lot. Who am I? Why am I here? Started asking it at a ridiculous asking it at a ridiculously young age. And it wasn't until like five decades later I began to actually know. But it turns out it's true. You, 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 and you were actually created as a once-in-all history of it. Never to be repeated. (laughs) I began to discover who God really is, and what he's really like, and what he really thinks of me. It began to open my soul and completely renovate my thinking, my emotions, and my will. And it began to prepare my body and my soul to receive the full measure of my identity and my authority and my purpose and responsibility. Turns out that I was supposed to do all of those things so that I could have all of these gifts that are activated at different levels at different times in order to edify, build up, y'all. To edify the body. Turns out your gifts are to do the same thing. We are to edify one another. The gifts are not mine. The gifts are the Holy Spirit's. That he's sharing through me, that you may come to know and be who you are in Christ and free. That I might come to know and live from the wonderful, marvelous way, truth, and life that is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, which the Bible says is the kingdom of God. Romans 14 and that I might experience the way more of God as a part of everyday living. What is that? Well, it's the ultimate freedom. The prophet Chris Christopherson, <laughs> through his disciple, Janice Joplin, <clears throat> said, freedom's just a word, another word for That's true as a human being. That's true in the soulish realm. We have a person who was born and raised in Russia in the room, and she's looking at me like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Turns out, yeah, that's human freedom. So let's get into practical application. Next slide, please. As a, as a kingdom kid, it becomes very important to separate identity from experience. The point of this slide, and I'm just going to leave it up here for a minute and not repeat it because you all can read. The point of this slide is let us be very careful of I am statements. Let us shepherd our I am statements well. We are conditioned, socialized, and taught to say, How are you today, John? I am good. I am tired. I am sad. I am happy. Are those true? It is not who we are, is it? It's how we feel. It's what we are experiencing. So when we shepherd our I am statements, well, in Christ it turns out that I am wanted, loved, incredibly special, capable. You can read, I am a child of God. I am no longer a slave to fear. I am adopted. I belong. I am among. And I do belong. I am no longer an orphan or an outcast. I am enough. I am the true me. A once in all history event. I am okay. I am going to be okay-er in any given moment. However, I feel somewhere on that continuum. Somewhere in between, sad and happy. Somewhere in between, I'll go all the way down to the bottom. Effective or deficient. I am, or I feel, out or I feel in or somewhere in between. Maybe I should post this slide on the JC Family Connection page, yeah? I experience one thing, that's a fact. That's a fact. I am his, special, precious, amazing. That's truth. Truth and fact are two different things. I'm trying to think of a good example. years I experienced migraines sometimes severely debilitating that was a fact the truth is he heals the truth is that the real me if I can get heaven in me if I can get the Jesus in me there are no migraines in heaven well one day I got the heaven in me I've never had a migraine since Years. 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 Well, I think it's been more than 10 years. No feeling is good or bad. No such thing as a bad feeling or a good feeling. They're neither good nor bad, they're just experiences. Stop saying uh, sadness is bad, anger is bad. So-and-so is bad. Or stop saying that pleasure or ecstasy is good. That's not true. They don't have any qualitative value. They're neither good nor bad. They just are. They're an experience. To be relished. To be embraced. To be... They're not the engine of the train. They're not the locomotive. They're the caboose. No feeling is original. Jesus experienced every one. They made sure him and Holy Spirit and Father made sure Jesus experienced every feeling to greater depth than you or I ever will. It says that right in the book of Hebrews. It's not original. Feelings were put in us by God. They're neither good nor bad. They're indicators. They're like a dashboard in your car. No feeling is original in its own. Every feeling has its roots somewhere else. Every feeling is an outgrowth of something that's underlying it or behind it. So, may I please repeat, let us be very careful to shepherd well our I am statements. All right, next slide. Please. You've heard of U-boats. They were in World War II, right? Germans had U-boats. Well, let's ask the question, what floats my (laughs) me-boat? U-boats and me-boats. Well, I have human makeup. And at any given moment, on any given hour of any given day, I'm an amalgamation, a mixture, a blend of how I'm doing physically, emotionally, mentally, socially, and spiritually. is. Do you think that that has credibility? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, in fact, I've trained a lot of people about, well, somebody when I really check into the man in the mirror, how are you doing? We go through each one of these areas, and we give ourselves a score, and then we say, what's the one thing that Jesus could do for you that would make you a higher score in each area. And which area is the most needy, lacking? What's the one thing Jesus could do for you, in you, that could make the most positive difference, most positive change? That's another sermon, another seminar, a different day. My whole point is, this is our human makeup at any given moment, at any given time, on any given day, in any given situation. We good? Look in the center of that five-point star. What's the shape? Geometry, students? Pentagon. It's a pentagon. And this image is a pentagram. These are the areas your enemy gets into. These are the areas that he tries to get into. He sends demons and spirits and influences and atmospheres of all kind because he wants to get that five-point star turned upside down. What do you have then? Yeah, an upside-down pentagram is the sign of Satan. This, This is where he comes at you, is in these areas. He is a created being He cannot create things on his own. He can only corrupt and twist. And these are my access points and your access points. And he knows them. And he knows where you are unhealed. And he knows where your thinking is not healthy. And he knows where your understanding of Scripture is not as good as his. And so he twists you. He knows what your buttons are. Temptation and sin are not the same. There will always be temptation. The Bible says so. We will always be tempted. He knows which ones, how and when to send your way. And he'll tempt you in one or more of these five areas. It started in the garden. Culture. Wokeness says, you're a star. Wokeness, meology, can't feel good. Entitlement says it's all about you. See, in the garden, we shifted from an, an, ex- an existence of awareness of provision and protection when we fell. to realizing that we all of a sudden now need provision and protection. So what what happens? We become self-aware. When we become self-aware and we become aware of our needs and we become aware that we're separated from God, then we begin self-focus. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like self-protection, self-defense, self-interest, self-absorption, self-medication, self-self-self. And you know what? These are the areas that medicine, medical doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists focus on. Thank God for them. Right? Thank God for them. I'm going to go see a doctor if I'm sick. (laughs) Sometimes, some of the greatest leaders I know wouldn't have gotten past a hurdle or past a step had there not been for a loving psychiatrist who could get their soul, their human makeup, their, their physical self and their soul self good enough to receive healing and receive the Spirit. I honor the faith walks who say uh, otherwise, that you shouldn't ever go see psychologists and psychiatrists and you should never go to the doctor first, and all those things. Great, I'm, I'm happy for your doctor. Um, that's not mine, and it's okay. And these are the areas that your enemy focuses on. What's his objective? Steal, kill, destroy. He hates you. He isn't much at a cold or a hangnail. He wants you disabled. Dead. So, what does he focus on? The enemy forces focus on this and that's. This and that's. That thing you said, that thing you did, that thing you thought, that stuff you didn't do but shoulda, coulda, woulda. This and that. How about the disses? Here are some of his favorite disses. Distraction, distress, displacement, disappointment, disillusionment, disease, dis ease, disgrace, and distrust. If he can get those things going well enough and he can feed them well enough, he'll turn that star upside down. And he won't even know it. For a long time, then you'll know it. So, where do we go from here? Next slide, please. We don't go with the pentagram. We go with my silly little rhyme. Endure? All the time. The Bible talks about it constantly. Endure. Cope? Nope. Coping is mm, different sermon, different day. I wholeheartedly contest the notion that we need coping skills. I think we need prevailing skills. Yes. Endurance? Absolutely. My wife and I have endured, there are people in this room who've endured beyond description. But cope? Heaven, no. We endure until we prevail. In Christ, you are a victor, not a victim. You're never a winner or loser in Christ. You're always a winner or a learner. Can I repeat that, please? There are no winners and losers in the kingdom of God. There are only winners and learners. You only have control, and I only have control in my life, of four things. Period. I cannot control anything or anyone outside of me. But what I can control is my focus. That which we focus on, we become. I can control my focus. I can control my thoughts. Do I get random thoughts? Destructive thoughts? Disabling thoughts? All the time. I learned in the Corinthians that I can cast those down. I can... Rearchitect architect them I can change them turns out I can it's true I can control my thoughts yep I can control my time what I say yes to matters because if I say yes to the right things the no becomes automatic I spent years saying yes to things that were at the expense of my family work success challenge responsibility. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting a lot better at it. See Sherry
0: afterwards
1: (laughs) for a validity check. Here's the big one. I have complete and utter total control over my choices. I have no control over my consequences. Zippo. But I have total control of my choices. Who else wants the Holy Spirit to help with that. Of course. So, if we're in our Scripture, if we're meditating on it, chewing on it, reading it slowly, asking Holy Spirit to partner as we read the Scriptures and hear the Scriptures, if we partner with Holy Spirit, that He might reveal Jesus and the Jesus in me, that He might heal me and deliver me, And if I risk and trust and do crazy, stupid things like really love other people and develop myself into a tribe and a family, real connection, real connection, authentic connection, where I will face disappointment and I will disappoint others and we'll walk through it together and we'll make messes and we'll clean them up together and we'll be authentic. How about that? Because it all depends on the extent to which I yield and I surrender. To the to the to the to the call that is his love. I let him change me. If I focus on the things I control, if I do a much better job day by day by day, getting better at choosing well what I focus on, choosing well over my thoughts, choosing well over my time, choosing well over my choices, in Christ I become an overcomer more and more and more I do live victoriously so I really want to play a video for you but let's go through the last slide just replace mayday 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 with Jesus 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 can't even begin to tell you how many times I've done it can't even tell you how well it works It's down to the last three points. I don't know how many years we've done this, several of us. I don't do it every month, but more months than not by far. I do read through all 150 psalms. Whatever day of the month it is, today's the what's the date? So if I read Psalm 131, 61, 91, and 121, just the date plus 30. Tomorrow I'll read Psalm 2 32. 62, 92, and 22. Every month I'll get through all 150 psalms. I read them slow most mornings. And I just let them soak in over time. <laughs> the whole range of the human experience is in the psalms. Wow, thousands of years. I'm not alone. Wow, they got close to God despite that. Wow, He's good. Wow, I'm miserable. <laughs> the Proverbs, there's 31 of them. Math quiz: How many Proverbs per day do you need to read? What? Nice. Go out to the J.C. Family Connection Facebook page. There's a handout out there. We put it out the first time two years ago. I think we've put it out one time since, and this morning it's up there again. Uh, We have a person in the audience who has experienced using these. These are the true I am statements in the Bible about yourself. I am this, I am that, I am this, I am that. In in Christ, I am these things. So I'm going to ask Debbie Taylor to rise, because she's been doing this a lot lately, and just give us a quick, quick testimony what if anything has changed as a result of it?
0: I started doing it the last time he presented the printout, the handout. So several months now, anyway. Um, I've just we read through them here, I remember that day, and just a couple stood out to me but I, I pick like four or five. I don't read all. I don't know how many there are, 100. I don't know. Um, but I pick just a few, and the ones that just speak to me, and I just read them out loud and every day, every morning, and then I add to or subtract. You know, as time goes on, I do different ones, and they just really, they're powerful when you speak them out loud, and you grow to believe them. You may not believe them when you first start saying them, but you grow to believe them. I encourage you to grab that handout and just start just start one or two.
1: Thank you, Debbie. Every one of them is short and easy, and every one of them has the exact Bible scripture that's behind it. JC Family Connection Facebook page. Go out there, try to find it. If you're not on Facebook or would like it sent to you or printed for you, just see me after service or drop me an email. Go on the joychurch.life site. Click the contact. We'll get it to you. It's that important. They're all just I am statements. Truth. 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 So I'm going to close. How many of you know that song by John Mark McMillan, How He Loves? He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. So your homework is go listen to that song. He wrote it 20 years ago, believe it or not. 20 years ago. It's not a traditional worship song. He wrote it in a terrible time of his life. Terrible time of his life. It's And Jesus' culture picked it up. It went, it went crazy. It went all over the place. Um, I think I might post a video that's the story behind the song on the JC Family Connection Facebook page too. And then I encourage you to go out and listen to it uh, for the first time. Yes, you've heard it before. You've listened to it before. But it really is truth. It really is truth. He does love me. He does love you. That much. So may I close by saying this. The more that we are in a constant state of mayday, mayday, mayday. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Desperate for him, desperate for his his way, truth, and life. First of all, the less time I spend with my rubber raft headed for trouble, and the easier the rowing becomes, the more likely I'll remember to put in the drain plug, or not run against that rock I've been across before and poke a hole in it. The less I will have to bail... and the more navigable the ship comes and the more the more and this is the this is the craziest thing of all when you really get it right when you really anybody i don't know anybody else has ever rode whitewater if you get it just perfect the river does most of the work if you're lined up right and following the right current it's just fun it's just ease it's just fun john mark in the song talks about i'm sinking If grace is an ocean, I'm sinking. We're all sinking, that's right. How he loves us. I love it that he never talks about how he loves me. He never uses I, me, my. Because we are collective. Okay. So Holy Spirit, I ask you to seal this message. I pray. I pray that I have served you well. I pray that lives continue transforming and do so even more so. For you tell us, right in Galatians chapter 5, you tell us, Lord, and I choose to believe this, it is for freedom that you freed us. May we live your way, truth, and life. Amen. Thank you. Homework. We'll get the handout. We'll play How He Loves for the first time.
0: Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 1030 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the joy life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.